Good morning, good morning, good morning, North River. How you guys doing? We've entered the fall. I don't know if you're anything like me, but Camden just went to school this past week, and all the parents go, amen. Uh, this is Cam's first year. He's four. He's in pre-K now, and so he was in school three days a week for only three hours. Little mommy's morning out. Now it's five days a week for six hours. We don't know what to do with that amount of time. It is, it is glorious. It is absolutely glorious. But we're starting a new series today, and it's titled, Therefore. Therefore. Now, when it comes to series titles, we got, usually it's this big epic thing like winning the war in your mind. You remember that series? Or this past series we did was in Atlanta as it is in heaven. Epic. But then you have Therefore, <laughs> it can kind of seem like an interesting series title, but we're actually really excited about this. You know, why this for our theme uh, for this series? Well, you could say that the meta narrative, the whole biblical story, could be summed up around this hinge point of this word, therefore. What do I mean by that? Well, isn't the whole story of the Bible God is, therefore, we are? As followers of Jesus' life, our identity doesn't start with us. No, 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 no. It starts with God. Or God did or God does, therefore we do. No, everything we do as followers of Jesus doesn't start with us. No, 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 no. It starts with him. And therefore is the hinge point. It's the transition word because of, as a result of. So we're talking about therefore for this series. Um, you know, families have rhythms in their year. You have your Christmas time, you got summertime. And last year, we started two big rhythms for North River, where we said in the fall, we're going to, I'm sorry, in the winter, we're going to come in, and in the fall, we're going to go out. So in the fall, when we come in, we, we have a, a church-wide fast to really go deeper with each other and with God. We have expository preaching. Our, uh, you know, our leaders meeting is to build up and support the leaders on strength-based leadership this past January. But then in the fall, we, we go out. Our school's starting back, and we go out. And so we have a series that really helps us mature in our identity as servants and as ambassadors. And then we, we have, you know, uh, every family group in the fall, we started this last year, we try to have an outward-focused event. And we want to encourage and invite every family group to do that this next six weeks. It's find a time you're going to have an outward-focused event, whether it's serving the poor together, like Phil and Millie just shared, whether it's, you know, having a potluck or a game night at your house, inviting your neighbors or coworkers, or going to the park and playing volleyball and inviting people, whatever it is, just having an outward-focused event on a family group level. And then every fall, we're going to have a big like, event where we can invite everyone to as a whole church. You remember Hero Day last year? Wasn't that really special? And so we're not doing Hero Day this year. You know, for the longest time, the brothers have been in awe at the women's days. And that seems to happen every single year. And yet, we've never had a men's day, have you noticed? So, or therefore... For the first time ever this fall, we're having a men's day at North River. Come on. We'll be going to invite all of our friends there. Ben Barnett's going to come preach. We're going to have barbecue. It's going to be a great time. We'll talk more about that later for the dates. It's not until October, but we'll talk about that. But it's all part of our going out rhythm, all part of our going out rhythm. Um, and as we kickstart uh, this going out rhythm on mission, coming back to therefore. 
that the mission doesn't start with you. The mission doesn't start with you sharing your faith or you giving to the poor. No, 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 no. The mission starts with him. The mission doesn't start with you. The mission starts with them. Everything we do is God flowing his love and flowing his glory through us. And this all hinges uh, our theme kind of passage for this time in the series is right here in 2 Corinthians 5, if you guys want to go there with me. Are you guys with me? Yeah. I know I said barbecue to the brothers. They locked in. It's just <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 18 reads, all this is from God that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are what? Therefore, Therefore, Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I think God is trying to talk to us there for a second. But we have this word, therefore. And whenever you see a word, therefore, you don't focus on the second part, like the second half of the sentence. First, you have to figure out, well, what is this because of, right? So we don't start with being ambassadors. We don't start with imploring other people. No, 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 it starts with, all this is from God. It starts with, this is not our message of reconciliation. This is God's message of reconciliation that he gave us. It's not us reconciling people. No, it's God is reconciling the world. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. And this, of course, is our mission as a fellowship. It's what God gave us from the very beginning. And Jesus from the very beginning in Matthew 28 is saying, once for all time, this is who we are. You know, we've taken a step back. We've been in a process as a leadership group for more than a year, maybe even two or three years, really trying to figure out where is God leading us next. And we've spent a ton of time in in prayer and fasting and many meetings discussing what's our vision for the church? Where is he taking us? And we've had a lot of meetings with the staff and with different um, focus groups from different communities. We actually got one this afternoon, another one, just trying to hear from the congregation and what's best for the whole church family. That's what our survey was from, you know, back in the spring was figuring out where is God leading us. It's all a part of that. And while we're still praying and uh, finalizing some of where God is leading us in terms of our vision, where are we going next as North River, our mission was easier to clarify because Jesus gave us our mission back in Matthew 28. And so we went through this process of how do we want a North River, you know, it, right? And so we we came up with this mission statement for why we exist as a church of, you know, what is our mission as North River? Well, we said our mission is to partner with God's Spirit helping all people grow into fully devoted followers of Jesus. Amen? That our, our goal isn't just to create listeners, or it's not just to create attenders, but to, create, to help people, people become followers of Jesus. But we know that doesn't just happen at baptism. You have to grow into fully devoted followers of Jesus over a period of your life to mature in the Lord. And it's, it's not just a small group of people, it's all people. We don't just want, you know, um, uh, middle-aged white people or young Hispanics or old black people. Like, no, 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 we want all people to become saved in the diverse body of Christ, amen? But it doesn't start with us helping people. It doesn't start with us trying to go out and find people and help them become and help them grow. No, 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 it starts with God's spirit. And first and foremost, this is God's spirit's mission. 
And so before we ever try to do anything, we're trying to partner with him. He's on a mission. He's already going, and we want to jump on board with his mission. So we partner with his spirit first, and therefore we go out. Now, you know, that word partner is interesting. We had a lot of conversation about that. You know, it's not an equal-equal partnership, amen. (laughs) Like, our very best is minuscule compared to God. He's the all-star trying to pull us along and teach us some skills, right? He's going to reconcile. If we don't do it, he's going to get stones to baptize people. Like, it's his mission. But for some crazy reason, he wants to use you and you and us as part of his mission. Amen? And so we partner with his spirit first before we help all people grow into fully devoted followers of Jesus. Amen, church? You know, the church is God's plan A at reconciling the world. And there's actually no plan B. But the pressure isn't on us. God has always said the pressure's on me and I'll do it through you. Amen? So we're talking about therefore, and uh, that was just the intro. All right, here we go. (laughs) So we're going to stay right here in 2 Corinthians 5. What we're doing today is we're going to be on the God side of therefore, and we're going to talk about God is uh, love and God is glorious. And then over the next couple weeks, we'll talk about our side of therefore statement that we are servants and we are, therefore we are servants and therefore we are ambassadors. You guys tracking? You're, you're smelling when I'm stepping in? You got me? All right. So 2 Corinthians 5. You just lost me on that one. Is that? All right. God is love. 2 Corinthians 5. Here we go. Starting a little bit earlier. We'll come back to later in a, in a couple weeks. Uh, in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. And what's the word? Therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. All right, again, we don't start with the second half of this. We don't start with how do I die to myself and how do I no longer live for myself? No, 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 you gotta start before the therefore statement. So it's not our love and our, and our might that gets us to die to ourselves. No, it starts with Christ's love compels The only reason we know how to die to self is because he died for all. It's Christ's love that this is all about. We're starting here on God is love when it comes to our series on going out in mission. Um, You know, the greatest sign of love, you know, for humans is weddings, right? We got to go to an incredible wedding yesterday. David and India got married. It was so exciting. It was in the Anderson's backyard. The sun was beaming down on us. It was beautiful, but it was hot. Sweat was literally dripping off my face onto my iPad. And I was like, I hope this isn't distracting these guys. But it was, it was a glistening party. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was beautiful. <clears throat> but like, like all of, most of our marriages, or all of our marriages, where did that start out as? That started out with this symbol right here, where David went down on one knee before India and no matter where you go, whether it's in, you're at the Braves game or you're down at Ponce or you're at a park, when you see a guy go down on his knee before a girl, we know exactly what that means. It's a symbol of love, and the, the closest love humans can have. And while that is um, normal for us in our culture, across most of the world or a lot of different places in the world, engagement and proposals look very different. Much less if you go back in time, 2,000 years ago, to engagement or proposals in the ancient 
Middle East or the ancient Israel. And so I don't know if you've heard uh, what engagement looked like 2,000 years ago, if it's going to be a reminder for you or if this is going to be new for you, but I want to share with you what engagement the proposal process looked like 2,000 years ago because it's going to really open our eyes up to God's love for us. Amen? So back then, if, if, if I liked Latoya back then, and if I went down on one knee in front of her in the public square, like it would be really weird. People would have no idea what's going on. And if I had a, a rock on a, on a ring, she'd probably run away from me. Doesn't know what that means, right? Idol worship. I don't know. But she would run away. And so it doesn't start there. Where it would start was I wouldn't go talk to her. I wouldn't even talk to her family yet. I wouldn't even send my dad to her dad yet. I would send my friends first. I sent my friends to her dad to have a conversation about me to see if he's interested in agreeable to talking to my father. If I send my father first to talking to her father to settle the dowry, if he says no, that would be embarrassing for the family. So I send my friends first. And I would pick my very best friends, amen. <laughs> like, make me look good and all, you know. So they go and they go talk to the dad. And he says, yeah, I would love to talk to their father. Let's do this. Then I would send my dad. Then my dad would go talk to the father. They would come up with a dowry. They would discuss it, all that kind of stuff. And then once they arrive at a conclusion, we would then throw a huge feast, a, a banquet. And we'd invite all of our friends and all of our neighbors, and we would feast like there's no tomorrow. And at some point during the, uh, during the banquet, I would stand up, and Latoya would stand up, and I would thank everybody for being there. Thank you for coming and supporting us. And then what I would do is I would, I would take my... my uh, my goblet, my glass of wine, and I'll drink from my glass or my cup, then I would say, Latoya, will you drink from my cup? And I'll hand her my cup. That's the proposal. That's the, that's the proposal line is, will you drink from my cup and handing, and, and, and handing the cup? And then if Latoya takes the cup, says I will, and drinks from it, she's just agreed to engagement or to wedding. And then I would say, um, um, well, now I will go to my father's house and prepare a room for you. And then when I go and when it's finished, I will come back to you and take you back to my father's house, the room that I have prepared. And then after the feast, after the celebration, uh, all I'm thinking about on the way home is what's the quickest way to prepare a room in my father's house? And then, and, then, and then I would come back to her. And then when I'm done with it, I would come back and then I would get her. And what we would do, the, the wedding ceremony is the parade back to my father's house. And if we had a lot of money, we might throw another banquet, like another wedding type ceremony then also. But it's the parade back to my father's house to consummate the marriage. That is the, that's the wedding. That's the, that's the wedding. So... If you're familiar with the Bible, some of those phrases seem very familiar. Let's go look at two of them. Talking about God is love. You know, in Matthew 26, uh, talking about Jesus, it says, Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink from it with you in my Father's kingdom. Right here before he dies, Jesus literally gives them the proposal line. Will you drink from my cup? What's going on? Why does he decide to do this? Well, we can see a little bit of that context in John 14. It starts out here in verse 1, uh, talking about the night before he dies. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in me, believe also uh, you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? <clears throat> 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. So before Jesus goes on the cross, the disciples can tell something's up. They're troubled. Their spirits are worried. They're anxious. They, they don't understand all of it, but they know something's, something's up with Jesus. And, and Jesus is trying to figure out, how can I possibly express my love to them? Like, what is, how can I show them the extent of my love? John 13 language, right? Like, what's, what's the, or John 15, John 13. And, you know, how can I possibly use the words of man to show my, my, the entirety of my love? I've already walked with them for three years. I've already given them all my teachings. What else can I say? And he goes, you know what would make sense to them? If I literally proposed to them. And I take their language, their language of the utmost covenant vow of marriage. Will you drink from my cup? I'll go to my father's house. How can they be confident that I'll come back? Well, just as a bride is confident after that feast that that man is going to come back because she knows how good she is. But, you know, after he knows he's going to come back, if, they, if I use that same language, they'll be confident that I'll come back. And Jesus literally proposes to them. Church. We are so incredibly loved this morning, amen? We are so loved by God. The mission doesn't start with your love. It starts with his love. It's not, when we ask somebody to come to church or to study the Bible or come over to have dinner at our house to show them the love of Christ and hospitality, we're not the ones proposing to them. Christ is proposing through you. We're the friends. We're the friends that he sends out. He, it's not us proposing. He said, I want, I'm just trying to propose through you. I'm trying to show my love through you. It's not about your love. It's about my love. Long before we ever try to figure out how to love people, we just need to get filled up with God's overwhelming love for us in this world. Amen? And so why don't we share that love just for a second, okay? Why don't you look at a couple people around you and just say, hey, God loves you. Let's do that three people around you, right? Can we just encourage each other on God's love? God loves you. God loves you. Amen. Amen. You know, it's dangerous to open up the fellowship monster. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a scary thing to do. All right, God is love and we are loved. We are loved. Um, so we talked about God is love. Now let's talk about God is glorious. God is glorious. You can flip over to Ephesians chapter 3. We'll look at a passage here. And um, we have to not start with trying to find glory in this world. We have to start with the glory of God. And I want to look at a passage to describe this and look at an example of this in the Old Testament. Um, you know, in Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 20, it reads, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that has at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I love this passage. Uh, you know, this passage actually goes deep in our church fellowship. It goes deep in our DNA. Uh, I preached this passage in front of thousands. It's one of my favorite ones to do, right? Why do I love this passage? Usually, these are the things I love to talk about. 
right? Guys, he's going to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine in your life. Isn't that incredible? His work, is that, his, his work is within us. Can you believe he wants to work inside of you? Wow, he wants to do this through the church? Are you kidding me? Like, that's amazing. And I, I love that, and that is all true. But over the last six months that I've been studying out the glory of God, even some of my favorite passages, I'm learning to focus on different things. Because what if the most important part of this passage isn't those sections about us? What if the most important part of this passage is the parts about him? Now to him who is able. Like even if he never does anything in your life, how epic is it that there's a God that is able to do anything and everything? According to not our power, his power made known in us, just according to his power. How incredible is it that there's a God of power out there? It's powerful. And before glory in us in the church, no, 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 no. Just glory to him and that he is glorious. And then it actually makes all the parts about us so much more mind-boggling. Because why in the world would a God that great and that big ever want to do immeasurably more through me in the church? Does this make sense? You know, what this whole uh, thing is about today on therefore is before it goes, okay, I got to focus on people and, you know, what are other people doing? What are other people thinking? What about my coworkers or my neighbors? We're not focusing down here. We're focusing up there. We're taking our minds and our eyes off of this. We're taking it up to this. We're focusing on God is love and God is glorious. Amen? So let me ask you a couple questions when it comes to God's glory. Do you need to see God move in order for you to believe that God is glorious? Or is the fact that he's alive, that he's able, that he's powerful just enough for you? Is God's glory enough, even if, even if the outcome of your life isn't glorious? Here's another way to put it. Am I still going to be obsessed with the glory of God even when the outcome in my life isn't glorious? Have you, have you noticed this, where it's really easy to praise God's power when his power is seen in your life? But even when his power isn't seen in your life, God is still powerful. So you got, we got to ask ourselves, are my eyes focused down here or are my eyes always focused up there? Do I have this faith where I want to believe in God just so he'll bless my life? Or do I want to have the faith to believe in God just because he is glorious? Are you guys following God is glorious. This makes the same thing is true in the mission. The mission never works when you're looking first to the glory on earth instead of the glory from God. If you're looking for the glory of helping someone, the glory of letting other people see you, the glory of man and mission, it will always burn out. But if your eyes are up here, success in the mission suddenly transforms. Just the fact that you see him and that he wants to use you as success. Just the fact that you went out there to try to help someone, even if they say no, it's success because you let God's love flow through you. And then amen, if they turn around and they get help and they get served because they're poor or they, they come to know Jesus, that's success for them and the church, but your success was just opening your mouth because of his glory. Um, and so I want to take another step back here and, uh, and come about it from a different angle. Can we talk about triggers for a second? You know, triggers, you know, triggers kind of a trigger word, you know, um, certain words can become triggers over time where you have a conversation or a situation that, that 
is unhealthy or didn't go well or someone said something that you shouldn't or there was a weird type of something. And then over the years, that pain, if it's not healed, can get worse and worse. Where if, if, if you don't have the, the one-on-one talks of reconciliation, true biblical reconciliation, if you don't go to God to get true healing for your heart, over time, even beautiful biblical concepts can become triggers. And when you hear them, you just, you just kind of, you, you trigger a little bit. You know, I watch you guys do that. Come on, all right? Um, and one of those trigger words that I believe can happen over time for us is the word evangelism. I just, you know, I just saw, you just saw you do it, right? And so the word, the word evangelize. And maybe it was a time in your life where uh, you, you, weren't, you were doing it for the wrong reasons. And maybe you felt like it was more compelled by man instead of compelled by God. And, that, and that, that hurt you over time. Or maybe it was a conversation that you had that, that rubbed you the wrong way and that was someone said something they shouldn't and, and that just grew over time because there's no reconciliation. And I don't want to make light of those things. First, I want to say, guys, biblical reconciliation works. There's no healing without one-on-one relational conversations. And from, from me and the rest of the staff, if you feel like there's anything from your past where you feel like it's a trigger in your life, you want to talk about it, please, let's talk. Let's discuss it. Even if it's with us personally, we want to discuss that and go deep to find healing for you. But true healing doesn't come from each other. True healing comes from God. And so we have to do the, the heart wrestling to wrestle through things with God to find healing. Um, so I want to share with you guys where my convictions on evangelism comes from, because it comes from this concept of glory. And no matter if I'm in a one-on-one conversation and we're talking about sharing our faith or things like that, or whether I'm, I'm speaking in front of everyone, no matter when it is, it always roots back to this one story in my heart and in my mind. And, and I hope that we can reshape the way we view certain things, because I know how it can go of triggers, where I've had these conversations of, can we just please have a time to go share our faith, not evangelize? It, or can we please just go spread the good news, but not evangelism? And it can be we want to go do the same thing, but I just can't handle that word. And the truth is, words aren't that big of a deal, but it's more the heart behind it that's the big deal. Amen? So let's go to Ezekiel 1. I want to go to Old Testament passage. There's this uh, scripture here and a story I want to share that roots me to the core of my being whenever I talk about spreading the gospel, whenever I talk about sharing the good news, whenever I talk about evangelism. It actually comes from Ezekiel. So in Ezekiel 1, talking about the glory of God. And I'm going to jump around. uh, I'll say the verses. So starting in verse 4. You guys find it? Go to Psalms and then go right. You'll find it eventually. All right. Um, So in Ezekiel 1 verse 4, Ezekiel says, I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud of flashing lightning surrounded by brilliant lights. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal. And in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human. But each of them had four faces and four wings. Down in verse 25. Then there came a voice from above the vault over their heads as they stood of Lord wings. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. In verse 27. I saw, that from, uh, I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up looked like glowing metal as if full of fire. And that from there down he looked like fire. 
and brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the cloud on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the what? The glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. So I uh, I wanna transition real quick and say, you know what else is glorious? French fries. French fries, a perfect transition, right? Perfect transition. I know it's dangerous, you know, towards the end of a lesson to talk about French fries, but uh, I don't know where you think the best French fries come from. Like what fast food restaurant? Like, I don't know if you think it's McDonald's or if you think it's Wendy's. Chick- I don't know if you want to shout it out. Like, I don't know if Chick-fil-A is your gig, right? The waffle fries, right? Uh, checkers. Kendall always says checkers. I always think he's very wrong. Um, you know, on campus, it's one of our favorite things to do. You know, first couple of weeks, throw up a big board on the main walkway. What's your favorite French fry? People come over, they vote, you know, which is favorite French fry. Then we say, you know what's better than French fries? Jesus. And then, wow, it's an incredible transition. But for me, for me, Arby's curly fries. Anybody? 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 All right. Arby's curly fries. That's the bop. All right. Now, when I was back in college, living down in the city, I would often go to the Arby's down there on uh, Howell Mill. And, and I'll go down there, you know, I lived in the city, there wasn't much like wilderness, and I'd love to go to Arby's to get some french fries and have my quiet time, right? I was like, you know, because they got that tree in there, y'all remember the tree, right? And I was like, dude, I'm in nature, this is awesome. You know, like reading my Bible and stuff. And uh, so I'd go there a lot. And, and so I was reading, I think I was 20 or 21, I had just become a Christian recently, and I was reading through the Bible for the first time in a year. And I had never read this, I'd never read Ezekiel before. And so I, was, I just happened to be that day reading Ezekiel 1. And, and I read what we just read. And you remember there's those big, big windows in Arby's. So I, I kind of, I read that and I looked up and there just so happened to be a thunderstorm coming in. And it was one of those where it was like, it, it, there was blue sky, then there was this line of, of intense rolling clouds coming, just happened to be coming towards me, Right. And, and, and then it, it was actually on fire and God was in it. No, it wasn't. But what I did was I started going, you know what? I want to try to imagine what I just read. And I looked up there and I said, what if that wasn't a thunderstorm? What if it was a firestorm that this was described in Ezekiel 1? What would that look like? What would it look like if there were celestial dragons flying around, like the seraphim and the cherubim flying around? What would that, let me try to go there in my heart. Then I thought, what, what if above that thunderstorm, instead of these towering clouds, there was a towering throne that looked like glowing metal halfway and the other half looked like fire with a being that stretched higher than I could see? What would that be like? And I sat there and I tried to meditate on that. And sitting in the middle of Arby's, I got emotional. I, I was filled with this awe, with this reverence, with this fear. And I didn't fall down on my face while all these people were watching me, but I did in my heart just sit there in awe. Who am I that that God that exists and that is real, it's not just a story in the, in, on some pages, but that God is real. For some crazy reason, he loves me. Then I kept on, so I picked up my Bible again, and I read Ezekiel 2 and Ezekiel 3. We don't have time to read it, but if you remember what happens is that this is, the time when Ezekiel, when God commissions Ezekiel to go out and spread the gospel. And, and then he says, uh, you know, eat this scroll or eat this Bible. So then a young Christian, I don't know what I was doing, I took up my Bible and, I, and I, I didn't do that. But he says, you know, eat my Bible. And then 
and then go out and then go speak. And then I looked around, and it was lunchtime, and the Arby's was full. And no one, no one encouraged me to share my faith. There's no one else with me. It wasn't a people thing. I actually didn't think I was going to tell anybody about it afterwards. I wasn't thinking about a single person. All that I was filled with is that there's a God in this universe that is big. There's a God in this universe that is glorious. And everyone sitting around me needs to know about this God. So as a young 20-year-old, I just went table to table. Hey, family, how you doing? Can I interrupt? Sorry. Do you, do you believe in God's glory? Right? And a, hey, young couple, are you on a date? This is an Arby's date? Really? Okay, anyways, do you, do you have a relationship with God? Right? And I just went one by one. And, um, and then at the end, there was a police officer. And if you know about my past, I had a weird relationship with cops. They, they liked to arrest me for some reason before I became a Christian. And so I'm like, I, I decided to, to wait on him. And so I went around. And, and then I got to the table before him, and I turned my back to him, and I was like, oh, do policemen need God? Oh, gosh. Um, and I went, yes, they do. God's bigger. Hey, man, how's it going? He says, man, what have you been doing? <laughs> and I said, oh, I've been sharing my faith. Do you know about Ezekiel? Can I share that with you? He was like, no. I was like, oh, okay, well, dude, do you believe in God? You know, we just had this conversation, <laughs> and uh, he wasn't interested at all. But it was this moment for me. It, <laughs> The victory wasn't in their response. The victory is in my heart, amen, right? There's this, there's this moment for me. It was this moment for me where it was so pure. It was straight from God, straight from the scriptures, straight from glory. That went, it, with no one else around, if just me and you, God, I got to tell other people about how great you are. And other people, if you are real, other people got to know about you. This would be the greatest thing that could ever happen in their life is to know about you to experience what I just experienced and how big and how great and how much you love me. And, and from then on, every single time you've heard me talk about it, it's rooted back to that moment. But honestly, that was more than a decade ago for me. And we've all had those special pure moments with God, haven't we? The question I've been asking myself over the last six months if I've been digging through these things is, am I still fighting to see God's glory in the busyness of life? Or am I just relying upon the things that once rooted me? Or am I still going deeper and deeper into the love and into the glory of God? How about you? Are you still fighting to connect with God's glory in the busyness of life? What ways have you lost seeing God's glory or God's love? How have you replaced the glory of God with the glory of man? Church, we need to see God's glory and God's love first. Amen? Amen. Let's talk about practicals and we'll close out with communion. Um, so put into practice is what I'm going to start calling practicals. Like we just ended in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, don't just hear the word, but put it into practice, right? So this week, the, 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 the practical, what we're putting into practice isn't to go out. It's not to go share. It's not to go get to the needy. This week, we're engaging with God. This week, we're engaging with God and experiencing his love and glory. I put some things that you could do up there, right? If you like nature, maybe you need to get out on that long walk in nature by the river and just pray and spend that time walking with God. If you don't like bugs like my wife, then maybe you need to stay inside, right? And, and you need to go in your closet, right? And turn off the lights and just meditate on God's love and God's glory. What I do want to encourage everyone to do this week is to find five scriptures on love and five of your favorite scriptures on God's glory and, and soak in it and bathe in it, and meditate on it, and let it seep into you how much God loves you and how glorious he is. And the last thing I'll just say is spend time in praise. 
You know, going back to our last sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount and the Lord's Prayer, yes, at the end of the prayer, it has uh, give us today our daily bread and deliver us from temptation and forgive us and things like that. But it doesn't start with our actions and things that need to happen in our life. It starts with seeing God and seeing his love and glory. You remember how it starts? Our Father in heaven. Focus on a loving Father. Hallowed be your name. Focus on God's glory. So let's spend time in praise this week. Amen? So before we go into communion, I, I wanna, we're going to have some time to pray here. I'll explain in one second. Um, but after communion, uh, I'm really excited. Alameen Kamara is here from Chicago, and he's an intern up there, and he's uh, checking out the campus ministry to see if he wants to come join our team down here. He's going to be doing the contribution, the offering for us, so give him a big North River love and welcome when he comes up here. But um, for communion, this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend time in prayer with each other. We'll have five minutes praying with people around you, and we're going to celebrate God's love love and celebrate God's glory together. And so in prayer with a couple of people around you, just spend time praising and thanking God for his love. Spend time praising and thanking God for his glory. And as we remember the cross, as we remember Jesus, let's celebrate his love and glory together. Amen? Amen. I'll say a prayer, then we'll have time to pray with one another. Father God, you are love. And God, you are glory, glorious. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, I pray long before we get stuck on the glory of man and our actions, we look to you first. That we don't make the mission about us first, but we make the mission about you first, God. I pray we can partner and get with your will and align with you. Father, we're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful for your glory. Your glory is enough. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.